Exciting. Yeah. Sections 81 today. to 83. Yeah. A lot of stuff about helping those in need, the Lord keeping his promises. And us keeping our promises, keeping yeah. our covenants, Abrahamic yeah. covenant, first presidency. Mm. It's good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, so welcome. Before we get into our discussions, should we follow up on what we read? Yep. Let's do it. Okay. So we're studying Doctrine and Covenants sections 81 to 83 today. The Lord is going to call Jesse Gauze and then Frederick G. Williams as a member of the first presidency. He's going to promise him specific blessings, and he's also going to tell them to counsel with him regarding the things that are most important in the church. The Lord's going to continue to establish the united order and teach that where much is given, much is required. He also instructs the saints, or rather tells them that he's bound when they do what he says. He's also going to instruct families and make sure that they understand that they are in charge of each other and helping each other, and then also making sure that families understand that it is their responsibility to provide for each other. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different things that we can talk about today, but we want to focus in on two things in particular. Uh, This idea that the Lord is bound when we do what he says, and also uh, this idea of our responsibility to help those whose hands hang down. So in order to dive deeper into the scriptures today, we have invited our good friend, Danny Deaton. Danny, would you meet us up here? I'd love to. Thank you so much. Welcome to be here. Thank you. So Danny, uh, you are the founder of Your Living Proof, which is a program that assists with addiction recovery. Uh, and I know you offer uh, a very unique perspective on finding strength in the Lord. So we're, we're looking forward to hearing from uh, some of your insights and, and stories today. Um, I'm grateful to be here. Uh, I'm wondering, as you were reading through these sections, was there anything that kind of stuck out to you as especially meaningful or significant? Yeah, the meaning of the hands that hang down and how it applies to so many of us, me in particular. I had a beautiful childhood and my life had a detour. I developed a really high tolerance to uh, opioids, which progressed into a serious drug addiction to the point where it nearly took my life on more than one occasion. The Lord found me in my own life and in uh, the basement of a home through divine intervention of my father and my brother. So when I think about hands that hang down, my hands were literally not only hanging down, but laying on the floor. You know, I I specifically to this day remember my father kneeling over me. And this is after many failed attempts. (laughs) He leaned over and said, we'll do anything to help you. But if you don't want this, we can't do it for you. And he looked over and he said, do you want some help? As peaceful as could be. And he proceeded to walk away and he left. And my brother looking at me, just begging and pleading with me. And he went to leave too. And I specifically remember when when they were leaving and the light fading as the door closed. I just yelled out with what little energy I had, help. The Lord met me in that place, in that basement, in that state that I was in. He met me stronger than he ever met me. So that for me was the resemblance of the hands that hang down. And I think it applies to so many people. Just the fact that you have these life experiences that you can reach people that I can't. You can reach people that Barbara can't. And it's, I just want to commend you for, for sharing your experiences and, and reaching out and trying to, you know, find those hands that hang down. Thank you. You know, Danny, our first topic today is, is the Lord is bound. And you really brought us nicely into that topic. You were talking about how the Lord helped you in your most desperate yeah. place. And that is what the Lord is bound to do. Yeah. So maybe we can jump right into it, Barbara. Can you give us a little historical context about what's going on in these sections and um, where this phrase kind of comes into play? So first of all, in section 81, as you can see that section heading, it says Frederick G. Williams is called to be a high priest. 
Well, originally it was actually said Jesse God's, but due to some of his life's decisions and things, he ends up leaving the church and doesn't come back. And so now we actually see that this revelation is given to Frederick G. Williams. Then if you go to section 82, some of this goes back to uh, the story of Joseph Smith and Emma Smith when they were living in the John Johnson home. They had just lost their own children. Emma had given birth to twins and she lost them. And John Murdoch then has brought his twins to come stay with them as he's being called on a mission and his wife died in the process of giving birth to these twins. So now Emma and Joseph are living at the John Johnson home, taking care of these twins. And in the process, Joseph and Sydney are there and Sydney and Joseph are being just hounded by people who are very anti, anti them and anti what they're teaching. They take them out of the house and many of you have heard the story of them tarring and feathering Joseph so badly that, that Emma thought when, when he came back that he had been tortured and probably was going to die. And Sydney was hit so many times and hurt so many times that it actually, he actually said that it affected his way of thinking for quite a while after that. So they had been really tortured. They'd really struggled through this. And section 82 then comes partially as a response and in help to Joseph Smith and Sidney Rickon and others to understand that the Lord is going to continue to keep his promises, that they're going to continue to be able to have his help even during difficult times in their lives. Mm-hmm. So we see that right off the bat in verse 10. I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say, but when you do not what I say, you have no promise. And that's where we get that scripture. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just based, I think, of not only in our life experience, but as Danny was saying, I, my, my assumption is that the, even though the Lord was saying this to a specific person in a specific moment in time, that it applies more generally to us as well. Yeah, as we, as we say often, this was them there and then, and this is here now and us. Mm-hmm. But the principle that the Lord is mm-hmm. bound when we do what he says, or the Lord is bound when we're trying to do what he says even, is very real. So maybe we can open up to our audience. In what ways has this promise been fulfilled in your life? In what ways have you seen that the Lord is bound when you do what he says? Cecily, please. Uh, just saying all of these things that the Lord is bound, um, there are going to be lots of like covenants. So it really is a two-way uh, sided thing. So when you ask for something, he can help you, but you also uh, have to kind of get the ball rolling. Absolutely. I think in one sense, when, when, we're, when we obey a commandment of God, God blesses for it. And in that sense, he's bound when we do what he says, right? But I mean, based on what Danny was saying, when the Lord stepped into your life, at least were you doing things you ought to do? Did you reach out to him or did he reach out to you without you really having to do what he said? I look back and in my experience, obviously I didn't see this at the time, but I I see how it revealed itself later on. No, I wasn't doing things to reach out for him. I wasn't asking for help. But Mm -hmm. those who love me were praying and they were diligently seeking for guidance and, and, and quite frankly, a miracle to help. I was blessed by those who were seeking him. My father, my mother, my brother. He helped them find me. In a sense, it reminds me of Alma the Younger and his parents praying for him, right? Mm. I mean, specifically you have his dad, but his dad's having other people fasting and praying. And it wasn't Alma that at this point, it's not Alma that's doing the repenting. It's not Alma that's doing right. But clearly the Lord is taking into account the prayer of a righteous father and probably the prayer of a righteous mother in this process. And he is bound, in a sense, by the righteousness of that promise to a father, right? And I love this idea that God is going to help us because there are people that love us. I mean, you know as well as I do, as well as you do, that when we get into a sin, we can can be best feeling or we can not have the desire. Like sin is a, it calluses us, right? We're spiral and we become numb and we don't wanna do, we have no desire to do what God wants us to do. And it's in those low points that we can rely on the people who love us. Uh, and, and through them, God can, can reach his hand out to us and lift us up. Yeah. Yeah. There's a scripture in here in verse seven. 
that in some ways I find confusing, and maybe the audience, you can have answers and thoughts for this too, but in verse seven of chapter, of section 82, uh, the first presidency, or in this case, Frederick G. Williams is being told, and now verily I say unto you, I, the Lord, will not lay any sin to your charge. Go your ways and sin no more. But then he says, but unto that soul who sinneth shall the former sins return, saith the Lord your God. So, so what do you, it sounds like, you know, if you sin, you're good, right? And you can repent and you're gonna be fine. But if you sin again, you're in deep trouble. I mean, there are some things that I've done once and I'll never do again. But there are some sins that I have done that I have repented of and committed again and repented of and committed again. And I, I, I hate to admit that, but I am not perfect. So what do you say to people, Danny? And what do you, you guys as well, what do you say to people with a scripture like this? If you repent and do it again, then your sin returns to you. What, is, what are we talking about here? What does that mean? Carlos, please. Yeah, I, I think that the, this piece of the scripture is more like a warning about frivolous repentance. Sometimes we think that we can like, okay, I can half repent mm -hmm. and continue. But repenting means abandoning the thing. So it's, it's like a warning. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I like that. It's frivolous repentance that we're talking about. It's not just somebody who is trying to repent and struggling through it. Yeah. It's a great comment. And Barbara, I, just one thing in regards to that. I think people fear this a lot more than they, they understand it. And so yeah. their reactions out of fear, but... If we look at our target and our end goal is to recover, to apply the tone of our life and become our best self, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to fall, but the key is quickly getting back to what you're learning and what you're doing and moving forward. So stumble, but don't fall. Mm -hmm. yeah. You will make mistakes, we'll have moments of failure, we're gonna have moments where we don't feel our best and we're not doing our best, but it's remaining focused and having that progress, that progression to reach that end goal. Yeah, sister. Um, I just think of the quote, I think, um, by President Nelson, where he says, the Lord loves effort. And I think, obviously, none of us are perfect. We know that we came here to earth um, to become like Christ, and that's our goal here. And I know President Nelson has talked a lot about that, about daily repentance. And I think we think of repentance as this big thing, which it, obviously it is, and it's such an amazing gift, but we can use it every day. Yeah, and I take, I mean, if we were to read this this verse in section 82 by itself as if that were the only verse about right. repentance, I could see how that could be super scary. Yeah. I mean, but if you read other verses that relate to forgiveness and repentance, I mean, so for example, uh, Doctrine and Covenant section uh, 1, verse 31, For I, the Lord, cannot look upon sin with the least degree of allowance. Nevertheless, he that repents and does the commandments of the Lord shall be forgiven. So this idea that even if we continually mess up, every time we repent, the Lord can forgive us. In fact, President Packer has a great quote with this where he says, guilt is spiritual pain. Do not suffer from chronic pain. Then he says, get rid of it. Be done with it. Repent, and if necessary, repent again and again and again and again and again. The Lord understands the Savior is there for us. We have to repent over and over again. That's a great comment. T, please. I have a quote here in, in my scriptures from M. Russell Ballard. and It says, recognize limitation. No one can do everything. When you have done the best you can, be satisfied and don't look back and second guess, wondering how you could have done more. Be at peace with yourselves rather than berate yourself of what you didn't do. Congratulate yourself for what you did. You know, just my own experience in life, it's effort. That's what he wants to see, the direction you're going. Not where you've been, but where you're going and where he's going to meet you. Not that you have to come to a certain point before he'll come, he'll come to where you're at. Absolutely, the Lord doesn't say try once and you're done. In yeah. fact, he says, 
my arm is ex- extended still, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times is the Lord trying to forgive through the Book mm-hmm. of Mormon and through the Doctrine and Covenants and through the Old Testament? It is a, it is a God of forgiveness that we believe in. Yeah, Aislinn. What an amazing, inspiring thing that Lord puts us here in families on this earth because our families are a safe place for us to fail. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what they should be. Yeah. And just as we're in families here on earth, you know, we're all part of God's family. And as a parent, I want to see my child succeed. I want to help them. Because I have those feelings, I know that our heavenly parents have those feelings for us too. Mm-hmm. And just like I want to give my children a safe place to fail, you know, that's what this, this earth life is. Little failures on the way, as Cassidy mentioned, to gradually, gradually, with his help, with his grace, reaching that place of success because the Lord knows our hearts. So that's what he most cares about. Mm-hmm. I think there's value too in not just teaching your children, yes, you know, verbally, but also modeling that kind of humility and repentance, like saying, I, I was out of line when I yelled at you, you know, today. So this has been an excellent discussion on how the Lord is bound. Um, maybe now we can transition a little bit and talk about this idea of lifting up hands that hang down. I think this kind of plays in this idea that where much is given, much is required, right? That if we're being blessed by the Lord, that we have to kind of pay it forward, as it were. Uh, so I'm wondering, after, after your experience, Danny, uh, wh- where did you go from there? What happened after you kind of made this transition that you wanted to be better? Well, the transition was helping myself for a while and doing everything I needed to get healthy and to learn to live a healthy life and to lean upon others as it transitioned and then giving back and helping others Having been someone who went through that experience, I was baffled by how many people were suffering. In my lifetime, I don't think there's been a time, and I speak for myself, more than ever, where the number of people whose hands are hanging down as there is now, that are dealing with anxiety, depression, pornography, addictions, health issues, economic hardships from things happening in the world. There are a multitude of people whose hands are hanging down. For me personally, where you ask where much is given, much is required, I always found it to be a blessing more for me almost than anyone else, for people to be able to talk to someone who had been there, who had felt that pain and felt that sorrow in their life, and to be able to just give them some hope or some direction. To be in the state that I was in and then to live, to become whole, to be forgiven, and then also to help people out of those situations themselves, that was just a blessing. So if we, if we have associates or family members who are struggling with things that we can't relate to, whether it's uh, you know, addiction or, or mental illness or something like that, if we can't relate to a family member who's struggling with it, how can we still help them, do you think? My mantra to life is it's our secrets that keep us sick. When we create an environment in our home, in our extended family, within our church, within our ward families, within our communities at school and work, wherever those are, where people feel comfortable to talk to somebody. That's sometimes the way that we can help. If, if we're required and the Lord asks us to help those hands that hang down and sucker the weak, you can be and live your life in a way that someone would feel completely confident and safe in telling you, hey, I don't feel so right inside. I'm having a problem with this. Because when people don't feel comfortable, they harbor those secrets. And over time, those secrets are what really, really make people sick. Yeah, Hunter. So to go back off of the question that you asked, if you see somebody in a dark place and you don't know how to relate to them because of what they're doing, if you take it back to the emotion that they're feeling in that moment, Mm -hmm. you can find that you're able to relate to them in that way. And with you being able to relate to them, it can help create a better feeling of security for the person. 
this idea of empathy. I mean, we make a baptismal covenant to mourn with those who mourn, right? And recognizing that it's not in my power to save you. Like that's going to come through the grace of Christ, but uh, it is my power to just kind of sit with you in this so that you can feel like somebody's there, right? Yes. I love the phrase just before um, the Lord says that we should, you know, lift up the hands that hang down. He says, you know, be faithful and stand in the office which I have appointed unto you. I put you in a place. I need you in that place. You're needed. And, you know, we might think, I can't relate to this. I don't have anything to give here. But the Lord probably knows better than we do. It makes me think about Esther. She probably couldn't relate to the everyday experiences of the Jews in her time. And all of a sudden, she is put into a position where she needs to be vulnerable and put herself out there. And she's able to have tremendous influence. I'm sure she never expected that to be the case. But who knows whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So we need to trust that we can be the Lord's hands, however he needs us to be. Mm-hmm. Beautiful comment. And does anybody else or anybody in here have experiences where somebody has helped them in a difficult time? Cassidy, please. Um, so earlier this year, um, we actually had a brother who passed away from a drug addiction. Um, sorry. But never in my life have I ever felt more loved. And never have I seen more hands reaching out to us. Um, We had family over every day, constantly just giving us hugs. And they may not have known what that felt like to lose a brother. But that didn't matter because all I needed was a hug. Um, And I think we had so, we felt so much love and support. And I felt those heavenly angels, and I felt my heavenly parents, and my parents, and my family members um, constantly giving us that love. And they may not have known exactly what that was like, but they just held us, and they just loved us, and asked us what we needed. That's beautiful, Cassidy. Thank you. I remember when my father passed away, my husband did something similar. His parents had both passed away as well. And I remember him saying to me, Barb, I wish I could take it away because I know how painful it is but I'll just be here, right? I'll just be here for you. Thank you, great comment. There's people suffering all around us. And and now doing this line of work, I've realized everyone wants to do something. And in my personal experience, I can tell you to follow that prompting and do something. If it's a person walking the church who hasn't been there for 10 years, don't feel hesitant to, to go up and embrace them, to express your love and how excited you are to see them. Every person who's dealing with these secrets and addictions, they just feel tainted. They feel dark and they feel like everyone, wherever they go is looking at them. And I, quite frankly, I have to remind everyone that I work with and that I've got close to, listen, everyone else is worried about their own problems because they all have their own problems. They don't really care about yours. (laughs) However, it helps that person suffering if you go out of your way to simply put your arm around them. It's so nice to see you. So glad to see you because they're carrying this burden, this darkness, and they feel so out of place. So there's so much we can do. Write them a letter, send them a text. Hey, it was sure nice to see you today. Just anything you can to help lift those hands. And I think most people want to do that. Yeah. It's just something gets in the way, fear or laziness or worried that they may say the wrong thing. And so something stops them. Yeah, you don't want to offend them. They don't know who I am. Like maybe it's not my place. They need love and compassion. The Savior met people struggling 
in their element, in their place of struggle without any fear or trepidation. His tongue was loose. His arms were always extended. And we can do that too. It won't ever upset anyone. If anything, it'll just pick their, you know, lift their spirits for that moment they needed it. Thanks. So we actually have a video from a, a viewer at home that, that asked a question about service and sometimes the, the burden it can be when we ourselves are suffering. I'm Jacob Arnell from Cedar City, Utah. Why should I help others when I feel like I'm the one who needs the most help? It's a very short and concise question. Yeah. When you are the person suffering, you do need to reach out. And it's twofold for me and where I've seen this transpire in multiple people's life is one, when you reach out and help someone else, even if you feel like you're the one suffering the most, you might be blessed with the miracle of courage to go and ask for help. You might find like in, we heard from the audience to know that you're not alone. By talking to someone else and helping someone else, you're not alone. It gives you the courage then to go ask for help when you might be holding on to that secret. But what it also does is there are people who want to help you in your life. And you might be able to reach out and help others by simply just coming forth and sharing what it is that hurts, what it is that's uncomfortable. You help them, and in return, the blessing comes right back. So helping other people will give you courage. Helping other people will help them in return help you because, like he said in that video, he, he himself is suffering. It just helps us get out of what we're holding inside. It allows others to help us, the Savior to help us, and that's when miracles happen. You know, I remember a trip one time I took with a few um, teenagers, and one of them was clearly struggling with some of the mental illness that her parents were struggling with. And she just mentioned this quickly, but you could tell she was embarrassed to even mention it. And then one of the other youths just said, oh my goodness, my, my parent does too. And then the other, the third one said, I had no idea, my parent does too. And for at least a good two and a half to three hours, the three of them sat and cried and talked to each other about the difficulties that they had had. And what a blessing that the first one was willing to speak, but then also that the other ones were willing to share their experiences and help each other. And by the end of it, they all still knew that they struggled, but they have become very, very close and helped each other through many things because they could relate in some way and they were willing to talk. Comforting and empowering. Exactly, very empowering. Jane, please. Well, we've been taught that um, when we're down and out, the best thing that we can do is to go and serve others. Believing that, it brings the joy that that I've been lacking. Yeah, I like that idea that turning outward can kind of lift us out of our own suffering, right? It's not just about helping them, but in the act of service, we help ourselves, right? And in a sense, it's against our nature. When, when we're hurting, we want to, a lot of times, we want to crawl into ourselves. We want to turn the lights off. We want to stay in bed and shut the world out. But it does change our, it seems, it's as if it changes our very nature when we're willing to force ourselves sometimes to get out of bed and turn the light on and go find out how somebody else is doing, right? I mean, it, it brings some type of, like you said, the joy or some type of peace or some type of hope comes in the process and probably a blessing from the Lord. And I would argue that, that, I mean, that's what the gospel is. The gospel is not a body of theological doctrines that we just kind of consent to. Like the gospel is that embodied love that you manifest when you reach out to somebody and try to help them. I love in Alma 7 where he says, and he will take upon him death that he may loose the bands of death which bind his people. And he will take upon him their infirmities that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. We may not know exactly what a person does, but Christ always knows. The Lord never leaves us. 
People will fail us in life. Things will be difficult. There will be challenges, but we have one guarantee. The Lord is bound and he will meet us in places we would never expect, we would never foresee, and he'll always be there. Beautiful comment. So this has been an excellent discussion on how to help those whose hands hang down. Um, thank you so much for your comments and your insights and the spirits that you brought. Danny, we really appreciate you sharing your experience with us. And thank you also for helping all the people that you're helping and us today. We need each other and I'm grateful to be here today. So thank you. And we'd like to thank you as well in the studio audience. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your comments, your insights. Yeah, and to those of you at home, thank you for your comments and questions and insights that you sent to us via social media. Uh, we'd love to have you join us sometime in the studio, but if you can't, we hope you'll tune in next week for Come Follow Up. Thanks. Thanks so much. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.